This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Have you guys heard of what's called the Streisand effect? Have you heard of that? Uh, if you haven't, I'll try to explain it. Back in uh, 2003, 2003 to other people, I like to say the 20Os. I don't know, because it's like you say 1903, you don't say 1903 or 1903. You, know, you, you say 1903, right? And so I say 2003. That's kind of my thinking. But that's. Neither here nor there. I I was promising myself that I wouldn't do uh, that. I would do a tangent-free episode, but <laughs> you know it's in my blood. What can I tell you? Anyways, I mean I start on a tangent right at the beginning. Well, the Streisand effect. Back in 2003, Barbara Streisand, the uh, the mega super entertainer, very rich, uh, which is fine. Uh, I mean, people wanted to pay her for her abilities, you know, to come see her sing and to buy her records and go to her movies and all that kind of stuff. And hey, you know, I don't begrudge her her money. Well, anyway, she found out that there was a picture of her estate that on the uh, on the coastline of uh, Malibu, California, uh, up there on a cliff looking over the ocean. I guess Malibu's one of those places that uh, the, the rich want to have play- houses and celebrities want to have them. I guess it makes sense. And uh, it, I mean, from what I could tell, her estate looks pretty nice. But okay, so this was on. She found out that the, a picture of her estate, you know, the, the some an aerial photograph of her estate was on the internet on this uh, particular website. And so she uh, she told her lawyers to go after that website and the photographer who took the picture and put it on there on the on the internets to force them to take that picture down because she didn't want her privacy being being uh, invaded well the thing is the picture that was up was part of a project that uh, this photographer uh, named Kenneth uh, Edelman I think that's how you say his name uh, he, uh, I don't know if he was the only photographer doing this, but uh, he, through this website, he had uh, he had put up all these pictures, more than twelve thousand pictures of the California coastline, and it was part of a project for geologists and scientists and that to be to have a record of the erosion of the coastline so they could see what's it look like here and, and you know so I, I, for whatever reason it's just to access these images so they can see what's going on with the California coastline and uh, one of the pictures 
which from what I could find, the information I could find on this, I checked Wikipedia and I checked some other stuff, uh, some of the sources that Wikipedia sends me to, I checked some of these things, and I, from what I could find, uh, the website didn't say, this is Barbara Streisand's estate. Well, the way they referred to the image was, uh, it was uh, photo number uh, 3850. I think that's what the, the number of it was. And... She, you know, so so she demands to, to have this taken down. She she then puts a lawsuit against this photographer and the website. And doing that makes this thing become public. So now the public hears about this. And what happens is people go to this website in droves to take a look at Barbara Streisand's estate to see this photograph. Now, prior to the lawsuit, uh, for the information I got, the downloads, the number of downloads of that particular photograph of Streisand's mansion, the number of downloads was six. And two of those were by her lawyers. So, <clears throat> what had happened within a month, they said the site was uh, visited by like more than 400,000 people, uh, like 420,000 people went to see that site to check out uh, her house. And I read somewhere that the downloads was over a million, uh, or the views at least, of that photograph was over a million. And <laughs> so it became known as the Streisand effect. You, what, you, the, what Barbara wanted to happen was nobody pay attention she didn't want anybody to see her place but by bringing attention to it far more people ended up seeing her place than would have if she had just said to her attorneys well can you see how many downloads this, this image has had up there of my house does it does it say my name on there and i like i said i, I i'm not absolutely certain on this but from what i could tell it it doesn't it's not listed as her residence or her mansion or her estate or whatever you want to call this place this castle this it's I mean it's quite a it's quite it's quite astounding uh, so it, it, they didn't you know so it, so I as far as I know it's not named <clears throat> and so she should ask that is it named and how many downloads and they said well uh, six and two of them was us and then she should have said ah screw it don't worry about it. That's what she should have done. She should have just left it go, and nobody would. You know, it, it, if as long as the word never got out, she probably wouldn't have gotten much more than six downloads. That's just well, so. Uh, it came to be known as the Streisand effect. Uh, somebody doesn't want you to get a particular amount of information or some to see something. They want this taken away from the internet's usually, and because they raise a stink. It raises the awareness of whatever it is that this person wants to be hidden, and all of a sudden, you know, people come knocking at the door. Now she lost her lawsuit against this guy, and she ended up having to pay for his legal expenses, which amounted to over one hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars, which is, you know, I suppose it's a pocket change to her. You know, I crap more money than that. What? No, that's that's not. Uh, that's not the Sinatra phrase. Anyway, um, so why do I bring up the Streisand effect thing? Well, if you guys have been uh, paying attention to current events, 
you know that uh, that the NFL, the National Football League, has been having a a problem with the players and uh, and this idea of taking a knee during the playing of the national anthem. Now you remember, was it last week or week before when I was going on about? You don't stand, put your heart, hand over your heart for God bless America. You do that for our national anthem. And you remember what the conclusion of my talk about that was. That the correct answer is, in the United States of America, you want to stand for God bless America, you, you, you can. You have that right. If you want to kneel during the national anthem, you can. You have that right. Well, it all started with Colin Kaepernick. Who was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? And uh, he is, uh, he's an African American fellow, or at least part. And he, he was trying to draw attention to the mistreatment, the unfair treatment of African Americans in this country when it comes to police. And he, instead, of, instead of standing for the national anthem, which the players normally do, he sat down. He sat that one out. And some people will say, hey, you know, that's being a little disrespectful to your country and all this kind of stuff. And which kind of, I can see the point. And, and to Kaepernick's uh, credit, he, he saw the point too. He said, okay, this is what I'll do. Yeah, you're right. Sitting down seems to be a little, you know, thumb in the nose. Which he has the right to sit down during it as well, as does everybody else. Well, he decided he'll take a knee. He's still showing some reverence in, in that way, humbling himself, but again, p- drawing attention to himself, which he knew he was doing because he wanted to draw attention, get the nation to look at this this problem and try to see if we can make some progress on it, see if we can make a better country, which I think is what his what he wanted to do. He wanted to make a better country. Well, in Trump's America, <sighs> there are people that... Well, even if it wasn't Trump's America, in Obama's America, there still would be people who would have the same outlook on that. They would still be looking at that as being disrespectful to the country and the national anthem and the flag and all this kind of stuff. And really, it, I don't see it as being that way. I don't, you know, I, I don't see it that way. I understand what he was doing, and he's perfectly right to do that. He has the right to do it. Well, it it was the NFL has not handled that thing very well at all from the from the very beginning they just haven't they should have just come out and said uh look <laughs> he's an american you know he can he can kneel if he wants and just say you know we're behind him we believe in the, this you know that 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 he's correct that uh, this situation needs to be addressed and we need to see if we can do better for all americans and as he's pointing out in particular, African Americans and how they're being dealt with with the police. And they, they should have just done that. That that's my opinion. That's how I would have looked at it. But they didn't. It was kind of tepid response. We don't know what to do. That sort of thing. They even they even had even had the owner of the uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Jerry Jones. Now they, there was. There was this show of support, and he came out with his whole team, and he got on a knee with the whole team as well. Uh, and so we thought, oh, okay, well, that's you know an enlightened owner. I don't know, Jerry Jones. But still, it, 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 he was showing support for his players and, and all that. 
However, uh, Kaepernick, uh, his career is pretty much over. Uh, he might play for the NFL again. I don't know if he's been signed. Maybe he has with somebody, but I know there was just lots of talks about uh, talk about teams needing quarterbacks, and a lot of sports talk saying, you know, but why aren't they uh, giving Kaepernick a try? Uh, and I, so maybe he's signed with somebody by now. I don't know. Um, anyway, but it certainly did disrupt his career, uh, and. Jerry Jones has now done a, a bit of a turnabout in saying, "No, we got to support the flag. We've got to be respectful, and we got to, you know, stand and all this kind of stuff." Well, the way the NFL's been handling this, uh, their latest decision is to say that, well, okay, the players can stay in the locker room during the playing of the anthem, which I think they used to do back in the older days of the NFL. I think they stayed in the locker room. They came out afterward. They can do that, or you know, if they're on the field, they have to stand. That's the rule. They have to stand. If they don't, there's going to be fines and suspensions. You know, there's going to be penalties. Uh, maybe a 15-yard penalty uh, assessed on the team. Uh, you know, if to, uh, first possession of the ball. I've, I heard, I read that one was one, but the, maybe a, a financial penalty against the players that are taking a knee. Uh, I read that the, uh, there was one owner uh, or general manager that said he would he would pay that fine, whatever the fines are for any of his players that kneel and they get a penalty, uh, he, he would pay it. Um, so it's so there's the NFL doing this now, and and and. They are a private corporation. I don't think they get any government subsidies, so you know they can they can make these rules if they want. I mean, they are a private thing. They they can make these rules, but still, it just seems like the, it it it's like I, so. I brought up the Streisand effect earlier because I was, I'm wondering is this sort of a variation of that that making this. Instead of just saying from the beginning, uh, Kaepernick is is right to be concerned about what's going on in this country as far as the, the, what he's protesting there, we take him at his word that he's not protesting the the national anthem or the flag. He's not being disrespectful of the military. He's not. He, what he wants is to center to focus some attention on this problem as he sees it, and, and a lot of people in this country see it. And we want to support that. So if he wants to take a knee during the anthem, or if anybody else, uh, the player, wants to take a knee during the anthem, well, they, they let them do it. And and I think that might have been it. That might have been done. But the fact that they're now stopping them from doing it, I'm wondering how long it'll be before every player, even players that might not have been on board with the idea of taking the knee, not that they're against the idea of drawing attention to the problem that Kaepernick was trying to draw attention to, not that they're against that, but they're just, you know, they they might think that they're more patriotic type fellas and they just want to respect the flag and do all that. They just, you know, they want to stand. But maybe even these guys will take the knee and say, you know, look, we're Americans, and part of our, you know, what the right we're given by the by the First Amendment to the Constitution is to, you know, to protest, to bring grievances uh, against our government. We can do that, and yeah, you know, there's the private thing and, and all that corporation, and it's not a government thing, but still, although. 
you know, there is some, there is, no, wait a minute, I would say no subsidies, but you know, a lot of government money goes into these stadiums. So, hmm, yeah, see, that that's reminding me of um, something that I heard from Pendulette, which is I try to take as, you know, the good things about Pendulette, and there's a lot of good things about Pendulette, uh, that his, his philosophy, he's a little hippie for my taste, but, yeah, he's, he's a sweet guy. He's, that's how he seems to me. And he, you know, he's a libertarian nut. He'll, that's what he'll call himself. And you know, he, he, he will go on um, on the uh, Fox News and, and CNN. He'll go on these shows and he'll, uh, um, he'll give the, the, the libertarian nut point of view on some things. And he was, he was on to talk about the, the Boy Scouts and the Boy Scouts not wanting to have uh, gay fellows <laughs> or gay people, you know, gays, lesbians, in uh, as scoutmasters and, and, and that. So they, they didn't want that. And he was on uh, a panel discussion, and he was going to be on the side of, hey, you know, it's the Boy Scouts, they're a private organization, they can decide who they want for their masters and who they want as members and who they want, you know, doing what, doing whatever. So he was going to argue that point of view, and he said that he got on this thing and there was a, a woman that was arguing against that point of view, and at, po at one point she said, you know, they that the Boy Scouts uh, do get a government subsidy because when they do their jamboree thing, it's on government property, they get it for cheap, or they don't have to pay for it at all or something like that and when Penn heard that he went what? you mean wait a minute uh, public money goes to support at least part of what the Boy Scouts do and she says yes it does he says oh well then <laughs> and the Boy Scouts are wrong he went boop changed his mind boom like that you give me some information that shows me that I'm wrong you know, if, the, if, the, if public money is involved if the government is involved then yes he says the Boy Scouts are wrong to be doing this. If they were a private, privately funded, privately run, you know, just no government involvement at all, then they can make their rules. But that's what he was going to argue. But once he said once there's public money involved in there, then what the government funds, the government can regulate. And uh, so he, he, that's the, he just did that. And I want to be that kind of guy that if I'm shown something wrong, I say, well, you know, I didn't think of it from that angle, and then I turn it right around, and I say, oh, you know, I think you're right. And, yeah. so who knows? I might be wrong. This might not be a variation of the Streisand effect, but I think it, I think it kind of is. I, the way the NFL's been handling this is just making it more of a problem instead of just, as I said, right from the very beginning, say, you know, we're on Kaepernick's side, we think he's right, that this is something wrong, and if he wants to kneel during the anthem, that's what he that's his right. I don't know. What do you think? You think he should? Uh, so that's the Streisand effect. Um uh, let's see, I'm what time is I'm checking my time, I'm checking my time. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I'll do. I think I've talked myself up to a break. I'm going to take a break and uh, look my notes over, make sure I know what I'm doing, going to do next. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and I'll be back after this break.
<laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> Your assignment is to listen to the buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Those other guys. The Finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You're back on Dimland Radio at the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I said you're back. Well, you are. I'm back as well. And uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Adam Savage once said, I reject your reality and substitute my own. Uh, that He said that on Mythbusters, and I'm not sure what it pertained to at that moment, but it's become kind of a phrase that uh, to ridicule um, uh, people that, you know, from a skeptical end to ridicule the idea that people want to live in their own worlds and not in, in the real world. But uh, in this case, uh, I, I, well, let's see if you agree with me on this one. You remember who Kim Davis is? Do you remember her? She was this gal that was a county commissioner, some county clerk. She was a county clerk in, uh, in some county in, in Kentucky. And uh, she uh, was refusing to sign off on uh, marriage licenses for same-sex marriage, for same-sex couples. She was refusing to sign off on that because, you know, God. And, uh, you know, because, you know, it's like, it's like I, you know, it's like she knows what God wants. The Bible says it's an abomination. Yeah, the Bible says a lot of stuff that you guys choose to not look at, you know, wearing clothes of mixed fi- fabrics that's one of the things the bible says uh, you know not uh, not having any kind of relations with your wife when she's having her you know having her monthly period thing you know that's in there uh, you know it doesn't say anything about a woman lying down with another woman so lesbianism must be okay uh, it's you know it's it's all kind of, they get to just pick and choose you know they just they, they, oh, he says an abomination well he says a lot of stuff 
And it's all bullshit anyway, so it's just, please. So <clears throat> she decided that uh, she was going to go against the law of the state of, of Kentucky, which had recognized that uh, same-sex couples should be able to uh, have a you know government-sanctioned marriage. Although hey, the libertarian nut point of view would say, what's the government doing in marriage anyway? What's that's so what? You know, I says yes, uh, if gay folks should be able to marry each other, uh, that's fine. But what's you know, why does the government have to be part of that? But you know, but it is that's the reality. So there you go. And so when this that wave that came across the country, once it got to a point where the the the, the majority of people who live in this country, Americans citizens, you know, us, uh, unless, of course, you're listening from in another country, then not you, uh, but don't take that personally. At some point, it was just, yeah, we should be doing this. It just, it just turned right over. It went a lot quicker than a lot of people thought it was going to happen, but it just, just happened. It just was like, yeah, you know, just like marijuana for recreational use is going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, the, the, I talked about the in God We Trust, getting into schools, being the thin end of the wedge or the camel's nose in the tent, you know, just a way to get something in there. This medical marijuana thing, I guess Minnesota has medical marijuana for some situations, but what's happening is uh, there are other states now that have it for recreational use, which is really, I was having a, dis a little chat with uh, Bob Blaskowitz, who is a, is a, a pretty well-known uh, skeptic, at least uh, among skeptical circles, and he's a, he's, a, he's a science guy and a professor at some college. I, I don't know what his whole background is, but he's, uh, he's taken the fight of, uh, to uh, the skeptical fight to the uh, medical quackery and uh, the, the fellow down there in Texas that's doing the the neo anti plastons uh, what's his name? I can't the Brzezinski his uh, his nonsense of uh, you know constantly doing clinical trials and and claiming that he can his process cures cancer and it's just he's just taking advantage of people who are desperate for uh, a cure and getting all their money from them. Um, Anyway, so uh, Bob Blaskowitz is one of the guys that has done a lot of work to expose people like this Brzezinski fellow. And he's, he mentioned on Facebook that uh, he was going down this medical marijuana rabbit hole. And I, and I asked how so. And then privately, he popped up with a little chat to explain what's going on. He said the school that he's teaching at is uh, bringing on this, this kind of medical marijuana training uh, where they you know teach you about how to you know how to use it for you know, pain management and all this kind of stuff and he says really there's a lot of bullshit when it comes to marijuana and the medical marijuana there's a lot of bullshit he says it does help with uh, relieving pressure for uh, in your eyes from glaucoma but you pretty much have to be on it all the time for it to do that when there are just perfectly safe eye drops that you can put in your eyes and they'll they'll be they're much more effective you can, you can use that and i said so is this sort of like the camel's nose in the tent to get uh you know recreational marijuana legalized and he said absolutely essentially he says i would you know, un i would say that unequivocally that that's what it is it's just trying to get the nation used to this idea of medical marijuana and get us over the hurdle and get us to legalizing marijuana for christ's sake and just it just just gets just just stop this nonsense of trying to stop, you know the, the you know drugs you know, and all this. It's just please, <laughs> declare the war over, the war on drugs. It's just declare it over. It's a waste of money and it's a waste of space in, in prisons and you're making criminals out of people that 
most of you know, it, it, if alcohol, like the prohibition days and alcohol, be, you're making those people who have, you know, have a have a shot of whiskey or something, make them a criminal. It doesn't. It's just silly, and it's counterproductive. And I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not going to turn us all into a country of addicts. So anyway, that was kind of neat to have this little conversation with him um, about about this medical marijuana thing. Because, you know, the country advances. So Kim Davis wanted to stand in the way of the advance. She didn't want to accept this advance because, you know, God. And it, so she she got a lot of, you know, she, I, she went to jail for contempt of court. She got a lot of, you know, she got a lot of crap nationwide about it. She also got a lot of the, you know, those people who would support that kind of thinking, a lot of support from them. Well, okay, I bring her up and I talk about the, I substitute, uh, you know, I, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. Um, there's a headline for a CNN.com uh, article about Kim Davis, who has apparently written a book about her struggles. I think she calls it Mein Kampf or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, com I shouldn't compare her to a Nazi. Uh, that's That's cheap. <laughs> Yeah, that's cheap. You know, the Nazis were pretty nasty people, and you you have to get pretty nasty to be put on that level. Okay, so this, calling people Nazis has just gotten too easy. It's just, so it's watering down the, the the term. But she's written this book, and the uh, the CNN headline, which I think is wonderful, <laughs> uh, it says uh, Kim Davis writes about. Fist-pounding homosexuals in new book. <laughs> and I read that headline, and I said to myself, and I announced on Facebook, and I shared it, and I said, uh, uh, I said, I said, uh, I refuse to read this read this article because I want this headline to mean that uh, Kim Davis has started a new career as a writer of gay erotica. That's what I want it to be. That's that's the reality I want that to be, and don't you want to live in my reality? At least in that case, wouldn't it be a better world? Um, okay, I'm gonna do a little one of these little things here. Uh, you know how a few weeks ago I was talking about, um, I actually talked about it a couple of times about this, the word perfect being used so much seeming to be used so much more now it's like used in in in, uh, in place of uh, uh, saying great or uh, uh, very good uh, it, it, it's it, when when I'm on the phone with uh, with a vendor and I'm placing an order and they check and they say um, uh, the shipping address uh, can we can confirm that and I give that and they say perfect uh, you know can I get a phone number for you and I give the phone number they say perfect uh, you know it's you're giving somebody information, they're filling something out, and their response is perfect. And and at first I thought it was more of a young woman sort of thing, but then I, older women were saying were saying it to me, and now and then I've seen men, I've heard men saying that to me, and I've seen it in other situations where the you know the perfect that's the response, perfect. And the other day, I was uh, I was uh, uh, I was watching. Uh, I was watching some sporting event, and uh, uh, a commercial came on. 
Oh, uh, I don't have my wallet, so. Perfect, you can send a digital payment. Uh, I don't have one of those payment apps. Perfect, you have a US-based bank account, right? I have Wells Fargo. Perfect, then you should have Zelle. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> when that ad went on, I went, there it is, right there. Perfect. Uh, I don't have that. Perfect. Do you have this? Oh, yeah, I do. Perfect. You know, oh. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's almost as if, I mean, nobody listens to the show, so I, I'm surprised that this happened, but it's almost as if somebody listens to the show and said, ah, what a good idea. Let's do that in the ad. Perfect. Uh, they, they were at the board meeting where they were trying to, you know, pitching the idea, and they said, you know, there's this guy that does this podcast and a radio show, whatever you want to call this thing, and uh, he doesn't like, uh, well, it's not that they don't like it. I just, I found it odd. Why, why, why is this? Ep- but it happens. I mean, words. You know, like in like in the eighties, it was you know, you know, awesome was the word. My mom, we found a, a, a yearbook of hers from back in the nineteen fifties, and they were all calling her swell. You're a swell gal. We had a swell time. So I mean, there's words that get used, and so I guess now at this point, perfect is the word but it's still it gave me an arg <laughs> just to sit there listening to that isn't that the hell <sighs> it's just it just uh, anyway so i listened to a podcast that is called the dollop and the dollop is a comedy podcast it's uh, hosted by dave anthony and gareth anderson and sometimes they have a guest but it's usually just the two of them and dave anthony will find the history of something something american history story to tell to gareth and it's and they and the two pull out comedy out of it and uh, gareth doesn't know what the story is going to be beforehand so he's just riffing as it goes along doesn't know where it's going usually and uh and and it's it's a very entertaining podcast it's very funny it's a little you know it's a little on the uh, on the r-rated side you know that's what are you gonna do and um it is also a little on the America sucks side, and and yeah, you know, we America has some pretty bad stuff in its history, as does any other human endeavor in the history of the world have some pretty bad stuff in their histories. Any other country, any other, you know, it's a group of people. They, 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 it's, it's, it's the same. It's just the same, and I mean, cause they, 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 they frequently go to Aust- uh, Australia. And they'll do the a story of Australian history when they're there, and yeah, you know, it's just want to point out. You see, see, it's not just America; it's Australia. See, Australia has just the same kind of stories. You could probably go to, you know, South Africa and find some stories, right? You know, apartheid. You know, <laughs> you could find some stories, and you could probably go to Japan and find some stories, and China and find some stories of some pretty nasty stuff that happened in the past. You, you, again, it's just okay. But in that sort of uh, uh, vein of what they do, um, th- w- I'm going to do a little history. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a story um, about Alfred Russell Wallace, who is a, uh, was a 19th century 
scientist. He he's considered the co-discoverer of uh, of, of the theory of evolution, with natural selection being the driving force, uh, along with uh, Charles Darwin. Although Darwin is thought as the the discoverer, but you know Wallace was also there practically the same time. These guys were coming up with these this this idea, and um, uh, Wallace was not a man of of uh, of means. Uh, he had to work for a living, and money was a problem for him through his life. Uh, he just 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 was. Uh, scientists like Darwin, they were gentlemen scientists who had money, and and that's kind of how it was for a lot of scientists back then. They they just they came from wealthy families, um, and so they were able to devote their lives to the pursuit of science. And, and and just not have to worry about money. But uh, Wallace was not one of those guys. He had to worry about money. So when the opportunity came along for him to, um, to win an easy bet uh, for the, the amount of 500 pounds, this, this took place in, in England uh, in, in 1870, uh, at least it started in 1870, uh, he 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 went after it because the bet was: Can you uh, prove that the Earth is round? That's right. He went up against a flat earther. Uh, and um, uh, the information that I got here, I got most of it from uh, an issue of uh, Skeptic Magazine, uh, Volume Twenty, Number Number Three, from 2015. That's how far behind I am in my Skeptic magazines, and I just <laughs> renewed my subscription. Um, it, the article is written by uh, Richard Milner and uh, Michael Shermer. So, the, so this information that most of it came from this article. That uh, and I'll see if there's a link that I can put to you so you can read the whole thing for yourself and get the get the nuances to it so you can get the feel of what's going on here. Now I will get to this story when I come back. Am I doing this right? Yeah. When I come back from this break, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return with this little story about what happens when a 19th century scientist goes up against a 19th century flat earther. identification you're listening to ztalk radio network operating frequency on ztalkradio.com grandpa look what i got wait till you see the bike we got for jake it is the coolest thing hearing loss happens gradually with age making it easy to ignore yet most older americans aren't getting their hearing tested dad can you hear me Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech Language Hearing Association. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. Outbreaks of whooping cough or pertussis are happening across the United States. This serious respiratory disease can be deadly for babies. By getting the whooping cough vaccine called Tdap, 
During the third trimester of each pregnancy, women can pass antibodies to their babies to help protect them until they're old enough to receive their own vaccine. Learn more at cdc.gov slash pertussis slash pregnant. That's pertussis, P-E-R-T-U-S-S-I-S. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story. Hopefully I can get it in without too much effort. <laughs> That's what I try to do my show with not too much effort. So uh, back in 1870, in March of 1870, uh, March, March 5th, uh, an event took place. Uh, leading up to that event was... Uh, uh, there was an anti-evolutionist and flat-earther named John Hampton. He did not believe that the Earth was round, it was flat, and he put up 500 pounds, and that's a good deal of money back in those days. Uh, according to the article where I get this information from, 500 pounds was about the, the average yearly uh, salary that, uh, that, a, that a, a regular worker-type person would, would earn. Now, because... Alfred Russell Wallace was not a man of money. Uh, he thought 500 pounds, pretty good money, easy money, because it's I can I can demonstrate that the Earth is round easily. Uh, he's he, you know so he he, he did ask uh, around if uh, if he should do this, and there was one guy that said, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." One scientist, Lyle, told him to do it, and uh, according to the article, that probably wasn't the uh, the best guy to listen to. But uh, most anybody else that was challenged directly by this 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 fellow, this Hampton fellow, he would directly uh, challenge these other scientists, Darwin included, and they just ignored him, uh, just because you know they didn't need the money and they didn't need the aggravation. And oh boy, talk about aggravation. So by 1870. Uh, People had pretty much known that the, the Earth was round for, you know, for uh, 1,500 years, maybe 2,000 years. They'd known about it. Let's see, going back to, going back to uh, uh, Pythagoras uh, in 500 BCE, that would be what? That'd be over 2,000 years, right? And he had speculated that the Earth was round by from just his observations at the time and being a math guy. Uh, Aristotle in 350 BCE was saying that, hey, you know, Earth seems round. <laughs> and a fellow named uh, uh, Eratosthenes, he was a Greek mathematician. Uh, this is in about 250 BCE. Uh, he calculated with pretty, pretty impressive accuracy the circumference of the Earth by just setting up a test in, in Egypt. He knew that this one particular town on, uh, at noon on the day would not cast a shadow, so he, he knew that. And, uh, it, and But he also knew that this town that was a certain number of miles to the north cast a shadow, so he measures the shadows, did a, some trigonometry or whatever it was that he had to do, and he figured out that one cast a shadow, and so it's got to be on a round, you know, on the convex side from where... You know, 
it's just got to be on a curve because the Earth is round. And so he figured out the circumference of the Earth. So it wasn't, this isn't something new. But this guy, this Hampton guy, didn't want to believe it. So Wallace takes up the challenge. And he, uh, they, they, they decide what they're going to do. Um, they, Hampton says that uh, Wallace can have an independent umpire to help verify that, uh, that Wallace has indeed proven that the Earth is round. And so uh, Wallace chooses this uh, uh, newspaper editor, a guy that was respected for uh, being uh, fair and objective, a fellow named J.H. Walsh. I think that's his name. And um, Wallace said, hey, you know, if you want to have a guy too, you should have a guy too. He says it's a Hampton. So Hampton picks a guy. They don't mention the fellow's name, but it was a friend of, uh, of Hampton's and also a flat earther. So uh, Wallace picked somebody that was impartial, but probably, probably thought the earth was round and thought this was ridiculous. Now this Walsh fellow, I guess, held the money, the 500 pounds. And so on this day, uh, it was uh, March 5th, 1870, they set it up to test if the, if the earth was round. And what they did was they, that there's this canal that's about 80 miles north or somewhere outside of London. I don't know if it's north, south or whatever. But it's about 80 miles away from London, and it's a very straight canal. In fact, there's a, there's a bridge, and there are two bridges that are six miles apart from each other. So what they did was they used one bridge to set up the uh, telescope to look across to the other bridge, and they put a target on the other bridge at a certain distance, uh, so many feet above the surface of the water on the bridge. And then they went to a midpoint along in the canal, and they set up a target the same number of feet above the surface of the water as the target on the bridge that the, that they're measuring from or that they're looking at and they set that one up and then they made sure that the telescope was at the same number of feet from the surface of the water on the bridge that they're on so they look through and because the earth is convex curves it curves down uh, the farther the the target the lower it is on the horizon so they look through and if the Earth is flat, these should be lined up. If the Earth is curved, as uh, as it is, because it's round, it should, you know, the farther target should be lower to the closer to the horizon, which is what it was. So this J. H. Walsh looks through the telescope and says, "Yep, it's round." And another fellow, not independent of of everybody else, he looks through and says, "Yep, it's round." Well, then Hampton has his guy take a look at it, and the guy looks and says, Oh, look at that. The earth is flat. You see, some fellow wrote a book that was published the year before and uh, uh, making the claim that, uh, uh, it, that the earth is flat and that, um, it, that it's an optical illusion that it's objects, when you do the tests like this, it's an optical illusion that it's going to be uh, that the farther the object is closer to the horizon, is lower in your field of view. So that's so. So here's how the flat earthers have it: if they if the targets line up, the Earth is flat. If the targets don't line up and the farther target is lower, closer to the horizon, it's an optical illusion, which means the Earth is flat. So they have it any way they want it. But the thing is, this Walsh guy said, 
Uh, no, he's, he's established the earth is round. He's established. He's won the bet. So he gives the 500 pounds to Wallace. Great, except this Hampton guy is a nut. And he, he harangues and harasses not only Wallace, but this Walsh fellow and their friends, families, colleagues, uh, 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 Wallace's wife. He goes after these people. He goes after the, the places where they work, trying to get them to lose their jobs or whatever. It's just, he is just incensed because he thinks he's been screwed out of this money. He thinks he's won the bet. He didn't even look through the telescope. He said his, the, the judge he picked, that person's word was good enough for him. He didn't even look. But like I said, you know, it's an optical illusion, so it's flat. <clears throat> anyway, Wallace takes the guy to court to stop this harassment, and the court finds in Wallace's favor. They put this guy in jail for a couple of months each time, and the guy behaves for a little bit afterward, but then the harassment starts again. Until finally, at some point, this, this John Hamden fellow sues this Walsh, the guy that gave the 500 pounds to Wallace. Sues him for it, and he wins because the the uh, the courts don't accept um, uh, they, they don't uh, recognize uh, wager making. They they don't they don't you know this it's, it's not something that's not legal. No no no, we're not going to come down on that. That's that's your, that's wrong. Um, I, I think I don't think Wallace was going after him to, to prove that he won the bet when he took uh, uh, this other guy to court. He was just trying to get him to stop harassing him. But this time, you know, the court saw that, well, you shouldn't have been making a bet anyway, and so they, they, they found in, in Hampton's favor, so the 500 pounds had to be given back. And for some reason, uh, Wallace had to pay Walsh's court expenses. And, and this, this harassment went on for something like 15 or 20 years. And Wallace was, had said it at the end of that, he just said, you know, it's just like that it would have been better if he had not taken the bet because it, it ended up costing him a lot more than the 500 pounds that he won. He ended up losing more than that, and that was money that he could not afford to lose. He just, you know, he did not have a lot of money. And the aggravation he put up with, it, this, this Hampton fellow reminds me of those two conspiracy theory uh, shit stains that I was talking about a couple, a few weeks back that, uh, you know, they're the false flag people that don't believe that these uh, mass shootings take place. They, they, that, got in the face of a pastor whose daughter was killed in a mass shooting and started getting after him. This guy reminds me of them. That there's, there's, there's no way that they can be reasoned with. There's nothing that comes. So, you know, it's a, it's a sad story. He, but Wallace did prove the earth. He did establish, you know, well, it was already known at that point. But he did show the earth is round. But a flat earther will try to get their way no matter what. Speaking of uh, <clears throat> shit stains, uh, Alex Jones is in the news again. He's being sued by an additional, an additional uh, uh, six families of the Sandy Hook shooting uh, uh, tragedy and, uh, and one FBI agent. So that makes eight families, eight representatives of victims of the Sandy Hook shooting uh, that are suing 
Alex Jones, and one FBI agent who was involved in some somehow involved in the shooting. Not not that he did it, but in the in the uh, 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 investigation of it. And 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 Jones has been had been harassing these people, and I don't know how much money. Well, here I'll I'll, I'll go with this. Um, I posted the, that item on Facebook, and I have a friend that goes, a Facebook friend that that I knew, going all the way back to third grade, and uh, he's a he, he's he, he's always been a pretty nice guy, um, quiet, uh, just a decent fellow. You know, not you know, he, he's always been. He's just, he's not wild-eyed, crazy, or anything like that. And he's he's always been a decent guy, nice, friendly. Although, again, as I said, kind of shy. Uh, but he's he seems to have fallen under the sphere of the conspiracy theory influence. And he's made some statements about 9/11. When I've whenever I put up some stuff about 9/11 is not an inside job. <laughs> And all that kind of stuff. It, it's uh, he he has some problems with that. So I put up the article about uh, Alex Jones being sued by more people, and uh, his response was, "A lot of people want money. Uh, what are they going to sue him for? We still have the freedom to speak uh, yet in this country." And um, my response was, because obviously he didn't read the article. But uh, my response was, uh, we do not have the freedom to lie, slander, or defame others. They are suing him for claiming the Sandy Hook shooting was a hoax, and the families and the victims uh, and friends of the victims were actors. He claimed there were no victims. They are suing him because, and here I quote from the article, which is from uh, NBC Online, their, their news site online, uh, Jones's actions subjected the families and survivors of the Sandy Hook shooting to physical confrontations and harassment, death threats, and personal attacks on social media, the family's attorney said in a statement provided to NBC News. It goes on to say, Alex Jones and his co-conspirators engineered and maintained this campaign for a simple reason, greed. And then I continued... I don't know how much these new lawsuits are asking for, but the first two are only asking for a million each, uh, an amount, as I understand it, Jones can easily afford, an amount that, in my opinion, isn't nearly enough. And then I had another Facebook friend chime in and say, Jones made money from his supporters by telling horrible lies. It's only fitting to, that he have that money taken away. Another friend said, uh, these parents were private citizens going through a horror we can't even imagine. He chose to make it worse by lying about them, claiming their children never existed, and unleashing his followers to harass them. As far as I'm concerned, if he lost everything, it wouldn't be enough. And then uh, another friend came in and said, I'm shocked that someone would even defend this lying sack of, well, you know, lies are not protected speech. Well... My friend that was wondering what these people were suing him for um, is, is, you know, he's not crazy. Uh, uh, but, and I don't know if he's necessarily defending him. And maybe he just didn't know the facts. But uh, I wanted to be gentle about how I said what I said to him. Because I, I think he's a decent guy. Um, but uh, it's just... He's Alex Jones is just uh, um, is reprehensible. 
And if he's bankrupted through through this process, if that happens, I won't shed a tear. And the thing is, though, he'll still have his followers that will, even if he's forced to stop what he's doing, even if, you know, like, like that Kevin Trudeau, the guy who wrote the book about the cures that they don't want you to know about, or weight loss programs that they don't want you to know about, or, you know, financial secrets that they don't want you to know about. This guy's just full of shit, right? Well, he got busted, and he's been put in jail. I think he's still in jail, but he's still got followers to believe him. When he gets out, He's just going to be one of those unsinkable rubber ducks. At least I think that's what's going to happen. He'll come out and he'll still come up with some way to to soak the gullible, to get the money from the gullible. And uh, and that's what this Alex Jones is doing. He's doing that. And oh, and did you catch that in the comment by the, the family's attorney when he said that uh, he called Alex Jones and his co-conspirators? He's a, I think that's a neat little needle. To throw in there, just an extra little needle to throw in in Alex Jones because he sees conspiracies everywhere, and now he and his cohorts are being cast as conspirators. I think that was a nice little needle that he uh, applied there. Okay, uh, before I get out of here, I've got three cool things from the week. Uh, the number three uh, is uh, uh, Travis, a uh, uh, friend of the show. And he does still. He tells me he does still listen. So he does. T- you know, he t- it takes a while for him to get to it because he listens to lots of stuff. But uh, uh, he's one of the Minnesota skeptics. In fact, he's one of the elders. And uh, um, he posted on the uh, Minnesota skeptics site a link to a video of two links. You know the the the, the bobcat type cats that, that live in the wild. The two of them are facing off with each other, and they're just they're 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 not just growling at each other. They're making this unusual yowling sound. This this very odd sound that almost sounds like a couple of guys going <laughs> like that, kind of. Like that. It's just it's a real and then it just goes high pitch and it goes it's very strange. It's a really weird sound. And part of Travis's point, and when I shared it I made the point as well, is that the uh, the wilderness in this country and everywhere around the world is filled with strange noises, but not necessarily from strange sources. Um, our guests, uh, and, and Craig, friend of the show, who shows up in the chat room quite often, and uh, he's also a Minnesota skeptic and an elder in that group too, um, he had mentioned that foxes also make quite uh, unusual noises. And the the thinking is that this this kind of noise that, that people that don't know about the, the wildlife that lives out there in the woods, people attribute that to the Sasquatch thing and the Bigfoot or some other kind of creature living in the forest, when actually it's just, it's just a lynx. It's just a fox. It's an elk. It's something, something we know about. They just sometimes make some pretty weird noises. And number two... I stumbled across this just, I don't know, looking on YouTube, just looking for stuff, uh, music stuff, and it popped up, and there's a, a half-hour video of uh, uh, a show that that ran in in uh, in the UK on British TV uh, from the 70s up into, I don't know, the 2000s, and I guess it's re it's started up again. It's called South Bank, and it's like a documentary series. And this one particular episode is following uh, the band Talking Heads. It's from 1979. They, they just released their uh, third album, 
Fear of Music, which is a really good album, and they show them playing, and they and the guys and each member of the band talking about what they're doing and, and that kind of stuff. It's really interesting, really fascinating, very cool. And number one, and I didn't know about this from the beginning of the season, and I feel pretty bad about it, and I'm still trying to figure out how to know when the next one's happening. But Facebook is streaming a baseball game a week, a professional baseball game each week through I don't know for 25 weeks of the season. Uh, um, the, it's I I just I watched a game earlier this week and I went what what base what and it's it's live it's an actual baseball game streaming I didn't get any work done that day but hey <laughs> what are you gonna do and that was so awesome so so very so very cool I'd almost say it was perfect oh god I hate that good night I, don't hate that good night Frau Blucher. Okay, that's the end of another show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Now remember, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Sometimes that weird noise in the woods, it's just the links. Uh, and I hope three cool things, or at least one, happen for you this week. I forget to say that every now and then. But uh, remember, sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning us in. in. What? 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 Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.